Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the newest episode of the Going Long Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Neal. Uh, it is about Sunday mid-afternoon as I record this. Um, man, what a what a weekend it's been. We've got Washington, the Pac-12 title to talk about, Heisman Trophy, college football playoff selection, uh, New Year's Six bowl games, potential opt-outs, potential transfer portal stuff, um, a lot, a lot to get to. Uh, we're going to dive into all of that. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get into it. Oh man, um, yeah. There's there's a lot to talk about. I don't know that any of it is really considered fun to talk about either. It's been a, a pretty tough 48 hours to be an Oregon Duck fan and someone who covers the Oregon um, the Oregon Ducks this year. Um, I know that most people, uh, both fans and media members, woke up on Friday morning with some high expectations for what was going to happen. Um, potential outcomes. I mean, you had a, a potential Pac-12 championship on the line, potential Heisman Trophy on the line for Bo Nix. Um, spot in the college football playoff um, spot in probably either the Rose Bowl against Michigan or the um, the Sugar Bowl against whether it be Texas or Alabama or Georgia, whoever it would be. All that was possible. That was on the table um, you know, about 24 or 48 hours ago as I record this. Like I said, it's early afternoon on Sunday um, and all of it's gone now. I mean, it, it all kind of just went away in the blink of an eye, which, you know, that's football. That's that's part of it. That's college football. It's um it's tough. It's a brutal sport. As Bo Nick said on Friday night, there's, there's winners and losers to this game. And that's one of the, the beauties of competition. You know, it's, it's something where if you win, you're elated and it's, there's few better feelings in the world when, when you achieve your goals and you could win, I don't want to say championships because obviously this was not one of those things, but when you get yourself in the position to do that and you can win these ultimate awards, um, you know, there's few things like it, but when you lose and you have those, potential opportunities taken away from you it hurts um and especially when you lose to one of your biggest rivals for the uh third time in the past two years by three points again um like i said up top there's a ton to talk about there's a lot to get into let's go ahead and start with that washington game though um you know it's just at this point you can't help but say anything other than they've they've got oregon's number right now um over the past over the past two years, Washington is 3-0 against Oregon. They've they've beaten Dan Lanning. Kalen DeBoer has beaten Dan Lanning three times by a combined nine points over the past two seasons. So, um, you know, it was it was an uncharacteristic game for Oregon from the very start. Um, they got off to such a slow start in this game. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of going to go through some of my biggest takeaways, I guess, overall for this game, just to, I know there's a lot other, a lot of other things to talk about, but we need, we need to talk about this game and just kind of focus on what went wrong a little bit. One of them was that slow start. I mean, Oregon came out and they went three and out on their first two drives of the game while just falling behind 10 to nothing to, to the Huskies and Bo Nix completed one of his first five passes. Um, it was just, it felt like they were really flat from the very beginning. Um, I'm not sure if they, you know, I don't want to say they weren't ready to play or they weren't amped up for the game. That's not what this was, but maybe they were a little bit too confident. I mean, maybe they thought they, 
I don't, I mean, this is not a position where you're ever overlooking your opponent because this is the biggest game of the year. If you don't win this game, obviously, as we've seen now, everything falls apart. So there's no chance that we're overlooking Washington, but I don't think that they were ready to play in the same way that Washington was ready to play. The Huskies came out on fire and they came out, you know, playing very well on both offense and defense. Um, you know, Oregon held them to a field goal in that opening drive, but it was a long 15 play drive. It was an impressive drive from Washington. Good stand for Oregon to only hold them to a field goal, but you know, it just showed that, you know, Washington, despite their um, efforts to convince everyone differently over the past few weeks with their struggles against some bad teams, they're still an elite ball club. They're still an incredible offense. They had a really good defense against Oregon. Um, Michael Penix, you know, absolutely incredible. Their receivers, absolutely incredible. I think that was just one of the more surprising things to see in this game is how flat Oregon looked um, coming out. And to be fair, I mean, they they bounced back and they they went on a 21 nothing run, you know, in the basically in the middle eight from the you know end of second quarter, the middle of the third quarter. They got back in the ball game. They eventually took a lead. It was 24 to 20 midway through the third quarter, but. Um, as we've seen all year, Washington stepped up in some of the biggest moments and found a way to win. Um, they always say the winning is a skill, you know, being able to win in these tight games is a skill. Washington absolutely has that skill this year. So that was one of the more impressive things they did. Um, another thing that really, that Oregon just struggled with, which was so uncharacteristic is the rushing defense. It was nowhere to be found on uh, on Friday night. They, Oregon is a team all year that's been super good against the run. They rank uh, seventh nationally in running defense with, they give up 92 yards per game against Washington. They gave up 152 yards and two touchdowns to Dylan Johnson, who it, to be fair, is a very good running back, but he's not, I don't, wouldn't even say he's the best running backs that um, that Oregon's faced this year, but I don't know really what it was that Washington was able to do so well. Um, but they just they they ran the ball and they were more physical in the trenches and they kind of just pushed around Oregon's defensive line. That was just one of the biggest things um, in this game that I think you know the Ducks' defensive line just they couldn't stop the run. And if you can't get Washington off the field, you can't get them off the field on third down. Washington was 10 for 15 on third downs in this game. You know, you don't really have a stand, stand a chance. I mean, there's Bo Nix was just sitting on the sideline for a lot of this game because the defense was out there and the defense was tired and gassed. And you could see it in the second half as well. I mean, it just, they were out there for a long time. Um, so that was just a, a frustrating thing. Part of this game. Another one was, you know, you don't want to make this as an excuse and Dan Lanning absolutely, you know, said as much after the game, but Oregon struggled with injuries tonight, or uh, I've said tonight, on Friday night. Um, you know, they came into this game without Julio Florence, one of their starting cornerbacks, which is, you know, absolutely something you don't want against a passing attack like Washington's. But they also had guys like Jordan Birch and Troy Franklin and Kyrie Jackson and Jeffrey Bossa and Tysheem Johnson. All of them went down with injuries. And while some of them returned in the game, a lot of them didn't. I mean, Jordan Birch went down, I think that was on the first drive of the game, maybe the second drive of the game, and was out with the rest of the game. That's one of your best defensive linemen, one of your best run stoppers, one of your best, you know, um, pass rushers. And just to not have him in that game, in a game where you couldn't stop the run very well, in a game where you really struggled to get pressure on Michael Penix, not having Jordan Birch hurts. And I know Dan Lanning, all he wants is going to say, I mean, he did say, you know, that's an excuse for us. That's a cop-out. We're not taking that cop-out. We have backup guys that should be able to get the job done, and we should be able to win without, you know, all of our starters on the field. 
that's great. I wouldn't want him to say anything else. I'm here to say missing Jordan Birch for most of the game hurts. That's a big deal. Missing Kyrie Jackson for part of the second half, that hurts. Missing Tysheed Johnson for most of the second half, that hurts. So while you're not making excuses, all credit to Washington. They were the better team all year. They were the better team in this game. Those injuries hurt. And while, you know, if those players are on the field for the whole game, does it make a difference? I don't know. Maybe Washington still wins. It's still very possible. Um, but I, I do think that that's fair to say that it, it did make a difference. And that's something that, you know, kind of frustrates me. And it's not, you know, not frustration aimed at any single player. It's not like any of these players chose to get injured. But it's just unfortunate that Oregon was so healthy all year. And they really did a good job of staying healthy um, and just staying available. And there weren't any really major injuries outside of uh, Noah Whittington's knee injury that kept him out for the year. But when it mattered the most, these this poor injury luck kind of popped up once again. Um, it's just as as someone that's followed the Ducks for you know years and um, you know covers the Ducks this year, it's just unfortunate that that was the timing. That's just very very poor timing, and it uh, came up probably the in obviously the biggest game of the year. Um, it's just it's just one of those things that's not going to sit right for a while. I talked a little bit about the uh, you know the missed opportunities on third down a little bit. I mean, we talked mostly about Washington being incredibly good on third down and, and Oregon not being able to get off the field, allowing 10 of 15 conversions for Washington. On the other side of the ball, Oregon was awful on third down tonight, which is, again, like I said, like the point has been this whole time, so uncharacteristic. I mean, Oregon coming into this was third in the nation on third down conversion percentage. They converted third downs. Let me see. What was it? They converted third downs on 52.2% of tries coming into this game, which, like I said, was third best in the nation. On Friday night, they were three for 10 on third downs with four points, which is just, you know, easily the worst conversion percentage of the year. It's the worst Dan Lanning's tenure at Oregon. They just could not operate on third down and, and manage to get first downs to keep drives moving. And that was an absolute killer in this game. I mean, we saw so many drives stalled um, three and outs and punts. And it just, that that snowballs because that's when you can't get your defense arrest on the sideline. That's when you can't, you know, this defensive line that's chasing after trying to get after Penix all night. And these cornerbacks that are running with some of the best receivers in the nation all night, when you can't afford them more than, you know, two or three real life minutes to actually rest on the bench. Uh, you know, it's three and out drive after drive. That's a killer. And that's something that I think really hurt um, Oregon on Friday night. One last thing I want to say about this game before we get to, to other things is, you know, this is a broader picture thing, but at, at this point, I don't know what the answer is, but it's, it's very clear that Dan Lanning has a Washington problem right now. Um, you know, I, it's tough to say that because yes, he's, you know, lost three games, but they've only been at a combined nine points total. I mean, they lost by three last year. They lost by three earlier this year. They lost by three um, on Friday night. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't, it's a game of inches. It's a game of, you know, there were several calls in this game that could have easily flipped. Um, we talk, I think most notably of the, you know, the potential Michael Penix fumble where it looked like Brandon Dorless hit the ball out of his hand um, before his arm was coming forward. And it was a fumble that Oregon recovered. 
Um, it was called that on the field, then reviewed and overturned. I still think that, you know, even if it was a pass attempt, the ball would have landed behind Pinnix and looked like it did line, but land behind him. So it was a fumble that way too. Um, I'm not sure how that call got overturned. And if it didn't get overturned, Oregon has the ball in the fourth quarter with a four point lead um, looking to build on that lead. So that's kind of like the newest version of Michael Dyer was down. Um, of course, Oregon fans needed another one of those to just kind of eat at them over the next decade. Who knows how long, but um, regardless going forward, it's just, you know, this was a tough hit for Oregon fans because Washington has had bragging rights. You know, your biggest rival has had bragging rights over you for the past two games in the past year and a half. Um, and that's going to continue because this was undoubtedly the biggest game that these two teams have ever had against each other. The most on the line, the highest they've ever been rated, the last Pac-12 game ever, um, the Pac-12 championship game, obviously the most at stake that's ever been in this rivalry. And Washington won it again. And they're now 3-0 against the Ducks in the Dan Lanning era. That's um, just a, a really, really tough pill to swallow. I don't, I don't really know any other way to look at it. Real quick before we get into the other things, um, let's just I, a real quick conversation about the Heisman. Um, unfortunately, I think it's over for Bo Nix. I mean, he he'll probably still get. He definitely should get an invite to New York for the Heisman ceremony on Saturday night. Uh, but if you look at the betting odds, I mean, he was a favorite going into the game. I think he was a, a minus two twenty favorite. If they won that game, I believe he absolutely would have won the award. Um, but since then, since that loss, Jalen Daniels is by far the heavy favorite. I think he was minus 1,400 last I saw, and that was a day ago. Um, it's not like Bo Nix played poorly in this game. He had three passing touchdowns, threw for almost 240 yards. Um, his completion percentage was way down. He was much more inaccurate in this game than he has been all season, but you know, when you consider his the bar that he's trying to play up to, which is 78% completion percentage, um, you know, throwing in the 60s looks terrible. But uh, for most quarterbacks in the nation, that's an average game. So um, pretty unfortunate. It goes with what we were saying earlier that, you know, there was so much on the table for this team and it just all fell away very, very quickly. Um, the Heisman Trophy is one of them. Getting into more recent news, um, let's talk a little bit about the um, – the college football playoff selection. Um, that is definitely the story of the day as I record this. Um, the the final standings came out, and it is Michigan at one, Washington at two, Texas at three, and then Alabama at four, notably leaving undefeated Florida State out, um, ACC champion Florida State. Everyone is up in arms. I personally think that the committee got it right. I think that they got the four best teams in. Obviously, you can easily argue that. Um, if we want to talk about the criteria for getting in, whether it's most deserving, best teams, yada, yada, all of that, um, you know, we can argue till we're blue in the face. And that's what everyone's doing on social media today. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of um, rhetoric going on and a lot of argument. And everyone's, a lot of people are very mad. And I understand. I'd be pissed off if I was a Florida State fan today because they had a great season. Their starting quarterback got hurt, and then they once he went out, they continued to win and um, won the games they needed to, won in a relatively bad ACC conference this year. So um, that's been interesting to see. I know that I believe it was, um, yeah, so Florida State at five and then Georgia at six, Ohio State at seven, and then Oregon, and Oregon came in at number eight. Um, it also came out this afternoon – right before I started recording that Oregon is going to the Fiesta bowl versus number 23 Liberty. Um, this just once again goes into the, 
the feeling of gut punch for Oregon fans that now they get one of the least appealing. Well, I we could just say it, the least appealing New Year's Six bowl game matchup on the board. Um, it feels just like it feels pretty terrible that this is the game they get. You know, we were expecting we could get a Fiesta Bowl against Ohio State or Mizzou or Penn State or Ole Miss or even Georgia or Florida State or Texas or Alabama, one of those teams that didn't make the playoff. Instead, they get the the highest rated power five or a group of five champion, excuse me. Um, it's just, it's not interesting. You know, I, of course, emotions are high right now and you're not really thinking about the next game. You're thinking about what you just lost, but I've got no interest in this game. I mean, this is a game where we're likely not going to see Bo Nix. We're not going to see Troy Franklin, Bucky Irving, Brandon Dorless, so many starters for this Oregon team that are going to go to the NFL or potentially transfer, whatever whatever happens there. We'll talk about that in a second, but there are going to be so many opt-outs for this game that, I mean, if, if you're Bo Nix, if you're Troy Franklin, if you're sitting on a, a first-round draft grade, why would you play in this game? There's absolutely no reason at all for you to play in this um, you know, quote unquote glorified exhibition game and put and risk getting injured um, and see your draft stock absolutely tank. I know that Bo Nix is a competitor. Um, I honestly believe that if this was the Fiesta Bowl between Oregon and Ohio State or Oregon and, uh, you know, Penn State, Ole Miss, um, I think you absolutely see Bo Nix play because he's a competitor and he wants to play with his teammates and he wants to be a part of college football history and play in a big, meaningful game, you know, but when you get against Liberty, a team that the betting line came out today and Oregon's favored by 13 and a half points. I don't think that he's going to play. I don't think that there's going to be a big um, group of non-returners on this Oregon team that say, Hey, I want to play in this last game. This one means a lot to us because in reality, no offense to Liberty, no offense to the Fiesta Bowl. It doesn't matter. You know, it, it's great to win bowl games. It's fun for fans. It's fun for, you know, players to travel to different places and get all the, um, you know, the bowl game swag and all of that. But, you know, it, in the current age of college football, if it's not a college football playoff game, it just doesn't matter as much. And you've seen, we've seen opt-outs so much um, over the past several years. It's just becoming a thing that um, the the 12-team playoff can't get here soon enough because, um, you know, it. we need more meaningful games at the end of the year. If we're asking the players to play this many games, we need to make them count for something. And I know for a lot of teams, you know, for Liberty, a spot in the, the Fiesta Bowl is awesome for them. That's great. They're a, a group of five team that made a New Year's Six Bowl. That's awesome for them. Congratulations to them. For Oregon, it's it's just a disappointment. We can say that. I don't think that's that's being demeaning to anyone without a little bit of honesty. You know, it's just when you woke up on Friday morning and you had dreams of going to the college football playoff and playing Michigan in the Rose Bowl, you know, waking up on Sunday morning and finding out you're playing Liberty in the Fiesta Bowl, it's a big letdown. And I think that it's okay to okay to say that and actually admit that. But it's just kind of, you know, it's the way the season has gone, unfortunately, at the very end. Um, this looked like one of the best Oregon teams we've ever seen. I still believe that they are one of the most talented and probably the best Oregon team we've ever seen. I really allowed myself to believe that they had dreams, had realistic dreams and aspirations for a championship. I, I believe that this team could have gone all the way. Um, it was, it's just really unfortunate that they, 
they played one of their worst games in the worst time of the season. And that's again, not to take anything away from Washington. They Washington made Oregon play one of their worst games of the year. Both things can be true. The ducks did not operate and execute the way they should have. And Washington made them not operate and execute the way they should have. Um, but it's just, I don't know. It's uh, the Oregon fan in me is, is coming out a little bit because, you know, as someone who's followed this program for, for decades and seen the highs and lows and experienced <clears throat> experience in particular, that pain after the, the BCS title game in 2010, uh, the 2010 season after the college football playoff loss in 2014 under Marcus Mariota and that championship, you know, this one, it's not as high of stakes because you obviously weren't in the playoff yet. You weren't in the championship yet, but it feels similar. You know, it still feels like this was a year where they could have won it all. And it was all lining up for them. They had the Heisman quarterback. They had the path to the playoff. Um, in all, by all means, this is a year where the playoff is pretty wide open. I mean, you put, there was some, um, you know, hypothetical betting lines that came out last week about what the playoff could look like. Oregon was a, a two-point underdog to Georgia. Oregon was, uh, I think, a two-point favorite over Michigan. So this is a game where they could go up against, you know, Michigan, Georgia, Alabama, Texas, Florida State. You know, they would have been, if not pick them or slight, slight underdogs, they would have been favored to win those games. This is a team that absolutely could have won the championship. And because of one, you know, tough night, Again, I'll say it again, credit to Washington. They were the better team that night. Um, they've been the better team all year. But because of that one tough night, it all kind of fell apart. And that's just something that uh, I think it's it's going to take a while for a lot of Oregon fans to come to grips with. Um, because this one, this year felt different. And I, I don't think that this is any anything to say about landing at all. He's why this year felt different. And he's built this program to a place where this type of you know, an 11 and two season in the Fiesta bowl. That's a disappointing season because you had higher aspirations, which in the end, that's a good thing. You know, in the end, you want your program upset if you don't win championships rather than if you don't become bowl eligible, you know, that's the, that's the status that duck fans think they can get to. And I think rightfully so. I think this is a program that's shown they have that upside and they have the ability to routinely be in that college football playoff discussion. Um, it's just as a, a lifelong Oregon fan and someone that covers this team, it's just frustrating to see them fall short once again. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Um, I will be back early this next week, probably on Tuesday, uh, maybe Wednesday. Um, set your calendars. The, uh, the transfer portal opens up on Monday. So a lot, a lot of news is going to come in, whether it's players transferring out of Oregon, players coming to Oregon, um, there's, there's going to be a lot. So I'm going to go ahead and do a transfer portal, you know, kind of centric podcast on Tuesday. We're going to look at potential players to leave Oregon players that might come to Oregon needs for Oregon to fill on their roster via the portal. Um, some, you know, actual guys, some actual targets that I think that Oregon's going after or know that Oregon's going after. So, um, just make sure that you have your tweet notifications on for all of the breaking news. Cause there's definitely gonna be a lot of it over the next coming days. So I'll be back on Tuesday or Wednesday to talk to you more about that. Thank you guys for listening and following along. If you want to check out more of my work, you can find it all at duckswire.usatoday.com. Follow me at Zachary C. Neal on Twitter. We'll talk to you guys later this week. Until then, take it easy. <laughs>